You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. And don't forget to be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. College football's back. So are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. It is going to be a hype night on this show. We got a lot to get into. Everybody knows Sarah Spain's fandom for the Chicago Bears. It was a big day for them. We're going to get to that in a few minutes. But we're throwing a hot route right off of the top because we are joined straight off the top of the show. We never do this, but we're going straight to the Goodyear hotline because, as you all know, I wear my Raiders fandom on my sleeve. And when a Raider wants to call into the show, we get it done. (laughs) Henry Ruggs, the third Raiders wide receiver, joining us right off the top. Man, we appreciate your time. Thanks for hanging out with, with us. I wear my fandom on my sleeve. I've got a Raiders tattoo, and even I didn't see this team starting 2-0. What did all of us miss about the Las Vegas Raiders this year? Uh, I'll say the, to the biggest thing is just, um, you know, we just we just have a, a different mindset this year. You know, we got a we got a pretty good team. You know, everybody's coming together. The camaraderie is different. I'll say the offseason definitely helped that. You led the team with 113 receiving yards. That's your second career game at 100-plus. And you got a lot of the analysts here at ESPN talking about what kind of massive steps the Raiders as a team can take forward if all of the weapons are really utilized. And that specific play where Carr, you know, pump faked to Waller and ended up hitting you deep for that 61-yard touchdown was one that we analyzed a lot. How much does it mean to you to know that Carr and, and Gruden and everybody else have a belief in you and that you are one of multiple weapons that can really hurt another team? I mean, it means a lot just to have, you know, the trust of, of not only the, you know, the quarterback and the coaches, but just the team and, you know, in general and, you know, I know I'm, I'm a guy that can go out there and make plays, and I'm surrounded by uh, a bunch of other guys that can make plays as well. So we all, you know, we all stand together, and, you know, if one makes a play, we all make a play. We're talking to Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs III on Spain and Fitz. So, you know, Sarah just mentioned your huge game, and obviously this year so much different than last year. Last year was your rookie year, but also COVID and all the restraints and trying to figure out how to be a pro and the practice limitations. How much different has your approach been this year and just getting ready for the game? Uh, I mean, now you you kind of know, you know what to expect. You know, last year was kind of in the air and everything was, you know, kind of confusing. You know, this year is just like um, I'm just a, a lot more confident in, and not only the scheme of things, but but what to expect from you know from from every point of view. Well, I mean, and it's wild too. You're only 22 years old. You didn't play high school football till your junior year, so you have had a very short amount of time to learn how to dominate this sport, and you're doing a fine job of it uh, as part of a really exciting Raiders team. I'm curious because obviously last year was the first year in Vegas, but everything shut down. COVID really, you know, numbed how excited it was to, to be in that in that stadium and everything else. This year, you got some teams that are going to be coming to town and maybe catching the Vegas flu. Are you reaching out to friends on other teams and suggesting the best clubs to go to? <laughs> are you telling them? Because I'm not going to lie. I took some Phillies players out in Chicago once just to sabotage their chances against my Cubs the next morning. I wouldn't blame you if you were sending them all out uh, on the strip at night. Are you doing that? 
I, w- I wouldn't say that, but if they ask, I'm definitely not going to shower from Denver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the most honest answer. Like, uh, Henry, I was there for that first game, and it was a, a couple of weeks ago, the Monday night game, and just feeling the energy from the crowd. How much different was it for you? I mean, you're used to huge crowds in SEC football. I get it. But what did it feel like for that first night in Vegas with that crowd, that club atmosphere? Uh, it, it was it was definitely wild. I mean, you can tell the, the fans in Vegas, they definitely, you know, they, they love the athletic teams. You know, as football players, you know, we kind of went to some of the some of the Golden Knights games and just, just just couldn't wait till we got that energy in our stadium. And now that we have it, it's, it's something to feed off, and it just, it just gets us going. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking to the Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs III as this team is 2-0 and to start Woo! the season. Yeah, Fitz, very excited about this. Um, you know, tell us about John Gruden behind the scenes. He's such a known guy. He's become sort of a caricature, uh, not, not, not the least of which is because of the impersonations that we've seen of him. But what's he like when you're not talking football? Do you ever talk to him about anything other than football? I mean, I mean, you you definitely can have a conversation with him about anything, but I mean, what what you guys know is, is exactly who he is. I mean, he never changes. He's always high energy, no matter the topic, no matter the conversation. <laughs> and I mean, he's always just, uh, I mean, just uh, just the energetic guy that's, that's gonna always want, you know, always wants the best out of him. And now that being said, take me into the locker room for a second because we all know this locker room has a bunch of guys that played for huge programs. You've got some teammates that played for Clemson. You played for Alabama. What's the trash talking like from everybody that played from those programs about Saturday football? Oh, uh, you know that 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 goes on and on all the time. You know, even the even the teams that don't play each other have some trash talk, but. I mean, everybody knows Bama, Bama pretty much runs the country, so we'll just leave it at that. Oh, wow. Is there, is there one guy that talks the most? Uh, I mean, not many guys really can say too much because, I mean, <laughs> honestly, the the guys that do say something is just because maybe maybe they beat Bama once or twice. But right. that's, that's a rarity. It's hard to talk trash against Bama right now. The best you could do is say, hey, that win was too close, huh? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's all you got now. <laughs> um, well, congratulations on a hot start to the season. Do you have personal goals for this year outside of the success as a team? Do you have, are you, are you one to write down specific numbers you want to hit or anything like that? I'm not a, I'm not a big number. Yeah, I feel like I just, I just have to improve on last year and, you know, I mean, we're all we're off to a good start as a team, and we want to be, you know, we want to be a playoff team. We want to make a run this year. And I mean, I just I just play my role and, and do what I need to do to help the team out. And you know, uh, like I said, the biggest thing for me is just be better than last year. No, not really a, a, a number thing. Henry, I got to tell you, man, y'all make the like the world's not ready. As a lifelong diehard guy, like I, the world's not ready for the level of excitement I'm going to bring when this team makes the playoffs. Man, we appreciate your time. Congratulations <laughs> on a big breakout early. I can't wait to we'll watch see you in a continue. Couple weeks. We see in a couple wait. weeks. Oh, when yo, my yeah, Chicago we're out. Bears, yeah. when my we're Chicago out for the Bears, Bears are serving game. up a big L at home for oh, you. Oh come on, this is the, this is what I deal with every day. I mean, this, <laughs> man, get ready. We, we appreciate you, brother. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, no problem. Thank you. That's Henry Ruggs, the third Raiders wide receiver. We're just hot routing the top of this show. You're trash talking NFL I'll players. I'll talk nice trash from to... this far away. I will. Oh, I'll man. do. I'll talk trash from this closet in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, I'm in for all of that. By the way, don't forget, tune into an NL West battle tonight. Padres host the Giants. Coverage begins at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You didn't hear that wrong. That's 9.30 p.m. Eastern, which means for another night, you get extra bonus free Spain and Fitz. We're going to be with you all the way till 9.30. And if the, the start of the show is any indication, we have no idea who's going to show up or where it's going to go. What I do know is we'll get to the big Chicago Bears news next, and we will do that on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Put up a fight with a might so fearlessly. We'll never forget the way you thrilled the nation with your T formation. Bear down, Chicago Bears. And let them know why you're wearing the crown. Crown their ass here, the pride and joy of Illinois. Chicago Bears, bear down. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. My God, it's just good to be on this show this fall. I'm telling you, Sarah Spain is bringing it. There is just, there's all sorts of love. Coffee stuck in my right throat. Here. Wasn't my best effort, but I needed to make sure I showed up. I mean, I appreciate that you came from Like, you heard it and you went. Like, that's what we do here. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. I don't know how it gets better than starting with the Raider joining the show. But uh, it's been that sort of a day for this show in general because, let's be real, big news came out of Chicago earlier today. This is Matt Nagy, Bears head coach, at his press conference talking about the starting quarterback situation. Andy is uh, is still battling through his his injury. We're glad that it's not his ACL. Justin's going to be our starter. And his prep starts uh, basically starts right now, and get out there and have a week of practice and see where that goes. But I know he's looking forward to it. Andy's been great. He's been extremely supportive, and uh, this is a part of the business. And and so now it's a great opportunity for Justin and and uh, for all of us as as a staff to be able to take this thing and, and see where he goes with this. I've got to commend the entire group that was listening to that press conference because I expected the minute I heard Justin's going to be the starter to hear mass chaos of everyone <laughs> running out of the room to start typing stories. Sarah, your level of excitement yeah. is... Yeah, they didn't have to leave. They were they were typing away on the Twitter. They were like, oh, yeah, and right. there it is. Um, listen, this was sort of inevitable when Andy Dalton got hurt. He tried to come back in, had to leave the game, barring you know them announcing a couple days ago, right after the game, oh, it's not serious, he'll be back. We heard week to week. When you hear week to week, I said, all right, Justin's going to start this game. Then we heard a statement from the team, when he's healthy, Andy Dalton's our starting quarterback. This news today is not of interest to me. What will be interesting is how Justin fares against the Browns this week. And if he is not disastrous and overwhelmed, how they will spin it to return to Andy Dalton if that's what they decide to do. Because I think at this point, it's earlier than they wanted to start him, but you can't put the cat back in the bag. I I really feel like once Justin Fields is out there, and I expect him to have a good outing. I've talked to Orlovsky, I've talked to Mina Kimes, folks watching the tape who saw what I saw watching the game live, but even at a higher level of, of analysis and intellect, and saw a guy who, if that catch is made by Allen Robinson, that changes a lot. If those false starts are cleaned up, some of the snap count issues that he needs to work on get cleaned up, 
the balls he was throwing, the eyesight, the looks, making the right choice, making the right throw, his ability to use his legs. He needs to figure out a little bit earlier when he's going to press up in the pocket and 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 ride the front of the pocket, and when he's going to and when he's going to sit back and use his legs. He can't just keep backing up. That's pretty common rookie mistake, but those things get cleaned up. He's going to be great. And I think he's going to be good enough against the Browns, even if it's an L, that it's going to be impossible to go back to Andy Dalton. That's where the meaty stuff is. This was an inevitability when Dalton got hurt. Well, and I think that's such an interesting portion of this because you've been measured and we've been measured as a show about when is the right time to start Justin Fields. The answer is when he's ready and the coaching staff will know that. Now, injury sometimes takes away the opportunity for flexibility, right? Like there is just no opportunity for them to look at it and say, hey, and we've also seen, you know, this is an indication that they obviously feel like either Andy Dalton simply isn't healthy enough or whatever shell of himself he'd be is not better than what Justin Fields could offer them. So I never, of course, ever in life root for injury for anybody for any reason. But you look at the what of this causes, like the cause and effect. Well, you've got the Andy Dalton injury, and you're right. It opens the door. How you put Justin Fields back on the bench after this, I mean, it would take something catastrophic happening, and I don't think right. any of us believe that would happen. So it feels like this is that page turn, albeit a little early. It is that page turn for the for the Bears organization where fans can now look at it and say, okay, win or lose, it's not it's no longer about that for Chicago. Uh, it's obviously right. partially, but it's about how your your young guy looks and do you think that you've got the quarterback of the future. And is he healthy? Is he protected? That's the big thing. If the if the egregious errors are ones that make it seem like he might get catastrophically hurt, maybe they take that into account. But I re- I don't I don't see a way barring a complete disaster, Zach Wilson-esque four picks, etc that they don't just stick with him after this. And I think he's going to have a good outing. And, you know, obviously, I I believe that the Jets would have given themselves, like if Zach Wilson's having that sort of game and they have another option, they'd pull Zach. But they don't have another option. They just don't have anywhere else to go. So I feel like the inevitability for most teams is you're going to try and protect your young guy. But uh, this is is that that go moment, and uh, we were excited. There was a lot of group text going on uh, about about this particular moment because it gives hope. Now, hope isn't necessarily – a word that Dolphins fans are using today based on their quarterback situation. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And, uh, you know, with Tua being out, and the organization made it clear in their statements today that Tua wants to play, but uh, he can't. He's not physically able to play, so they're going to help him protect him from himself, and they're going to go with Jacoby Brissett instead as the starter. Now, one thing that I think was interesting is that John Gruden, coach of the Raiders, was asked on Monday about preparing for two different quarterbacks that throw with different hands because Jacoby Brissett right-handed to a left-handed and you could tell that that was a little bit of an issue so I'm a little surprised that the Dolphins made this announcement as early as they did but uh, it was also I was a little surprised to hear Chris Canty talk say this about Jacoby Brissett on Canty and Golick Jr. I think Jacoby Brissett gives them a better chance in the short term to be competitive than Tua does he's a proven veteran quarterback you saw it in that game against the Bills. He knows where he's going with the football. He has a little more poise when things break down around him, and he's not going to throw the football up for grabs. Yeah, that's an interesting one, Fitz, and I don't know that I completely disagree. There's been a lot of questions about the the potential for Tua, and is it is it that he's disappointing compared to the expectations? Was it just that the expectations were too high? Does he just need more time, right, and 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 good health to be able to work at his peak? Jacoby Brissett is always pretty pretty impressive to me. He grades out as an average, right? Pro Football Focus has him 17th out of 34 qualifying quarterbacks. Um, 
at least in that in that outing against the Bills. But that was thrust into action, not expecting to play. When he's got time to prep, um, I expect better from him. And I've seen some good stuff from Jacoby Brissett in his six years in the NFL. And maybe just that steadiness is is going to be better for this team right now than than the question mark around Tua. Even though a lot of people think the upside, you can't you can't quite give up on it yet for Tua. Yeah, I think steadiness is such an important word there, you know, because frankly, when you're drafting somebody like Tua or somebody like Justin Fields or somebody like Trey Lance, when you talk, when you start talking about the young generation of quarterbacks that everybody hopes are going to be transcendent talents, most of them are known at some point for their ability to sort of make great plays. So mm. there's a little bit more of a home run swing sort of impact to what we expect from young quarterbacks. Jacoby Brissett. I'm not sure is that guy, and if he was, he, he wouldn't have bounced around so often as a, as a backup. That being said, I think he's exactly what you want out of your backup quarterback. He's not the type of guy that necessarily will win you a bunch of games, but he's not the guy that will lose you a bunch of games either. And that's significant when you're talking about a team that spent a lot of money on the defensive side of the ball, that has some really good players on the defensive side of the ball and believes that they can win in that sort of a you know snot, uh, uh, slugfest. That's a big word right. I'm looking for. Or a snot fest. There might yeah, be snot, snot involved. You know, I mean, you get slugged hard enough, there's a little I mean, snot that comes out. they did get the snot beat out of them last week in that it's game against the Bills. <laughs> snot knocker? I don't know. I got nothing. I don't nothing. know about I, that. I, uh, but I will, I will tell you, as a, as a fan of the opposing team here, I'm not sure that I necessarily disagree with Canty's take in the sense that you're playing two, you're going to have opportunities for turnovers. I don't know Jacoby's going to give you that. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I want him to get a clean slate. You know, obviously that 35 to nothing drubbing to the Bills, he he I think took 10 of the 12 snaps there. Um, it you know, so you got to see a lot of them, and it wasn't that great. Um, but I think you're right. It also wasn't. Um, Disastrous. That was a Bills team that was just working the Dolphins' defense. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was okay. Um, and I think what we've learned through the first two weeks is that the Raiders' defense is improved. The question is how improved, and this will be another chance for them to try to assert themselves against a team that is hurting to start the season. In the yeah, and, and to the point that you made earlier with Henry Ruggs third, you know, the uh, – the Vegas flu home field advantage. I'm not right. sure you get that when Miami comes to town because it's not like yeah. they're not used to having plenty of options. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a thousand percent right about that. Uh, obviously, we'll keep you updated because there's a lot of conversation right now about quarterback injuries all across the NFL. It's one of the biggest stories of the early portion of the season, obviously, uh, as every team is reeling with injuries, trying to figure out how to manipulate their roster and stay competitive through it. That's going to be one of the biggest stories of the early portions of the NFL season and how teams manage this uh, opportunity to get healthy will be everything. But in the meantime, it's playoff season. So we're going to talk to an expert about playoffs that are starting right away. And we'll do that next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. We've been uh, calling Monica off and on all day. Hey, you want to come on the show this time, this time, this time, this time? And it's now. It's happening now. It's finally happening. Monica McNutt's going to join us here. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. And ESPN basketball analyst Monica is here at the exact right time because tomorrow night, <laughs> WNBA playoffs begin and I've got my Chicago Sky taking on a very young Dallas Wings team. The Sky should win, Monica. But Arike Agunbowale is a total wild card. At any moment, she could take over a game and she can crush you with the last second shot. How confident are you in my Chicago uh, Chicago Sky getting the dub? 
Good evening, Spain. Good evening, Fitz. All right, Spain, so is that on a 1 to 10 confidence scale? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. 10 is most confident. Um, I'll give you 7. I'm okay. feeling really good. Listen, for me, Chicago has been a team in waiting for two seasons now, right? We think back prior to the bubble, the De'Arca Hamby crazy shot by Vegas ends their pursuit. Mm-hmm. Last year in the bubble, they couldn't get healthy. This year, you add Candace Parker. You still got Sloot, Van- Courtney Vandersloot and Ali Quigley. Um, Diamond Shields has been healthy, the most healthy, I guess, over the last three years. And James Wade, to me, is still one of the best coaches in the league. Listen, total tip of the cap to Vicky Johnson, Marike, the combination of Marina Mabry and Enrique Bumawale, <laughs> Isabel Harrison, top seven, I believe, in terms of field goal percentage this season. I love what this young Dallas squad was able to do. However, I think this time the Chicago Sky, with the addition of Candace Parker, will find a way do not be denied. We're talking ESPN basketball analyst Monica McNutt. Now, Monica, at ESPN, we used to take like interview classes, and we were taught never to, to show bias or lead questions, and always make sure that you know we we don't let our opinions flow through. So, I'm going to ask the perfect question here: Why are we talking about any team when we know the Aces are going to win it all? That's wow. not biased, right? That's wow. a perfect. It's <laughs> a perfect Listen, question. Fitz, quite candidly, I would like to see an Aces Connecticut Sun final, which means our one and two seeds hold all the way through. But, you know, the Aces, we talk about Enrique being a wild card for the Dallas Wings in a positive way. Liz Campage can be that both positively and negatively for this Las Vegas Aces squad, especially when you think about the continuity. She missed, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but a good chunk down the stretch with COVID protocols, and she did play the final game of the regular season, but I talked to some folks within that organization, and both Phoenix and Vegas were kind of locked in. So, yes, the game was close and entertaining, but if there also was sort of not a bunch of pressure on it in terms of seating. Listen, Connecticut and Las Vegas, two runner-ups from our last two seasons. Mm-hmm. And I think that is going to bode well for them as we progress through this thing. Asia Wilson, obviously an MVP in this league. I think Chelsea Gray has been tremendous. You get stuck on the on her hip defending her, she's going downhill and it's a wrap. It's either a beautiful dish or she's going to finish in the paint. So, I, listen, that's not a wild take, fit. It's just not going to be a super easy road for any of a team that comes out on top at the end of this. Monica McNutt talking WNBA playoffs with us. They start tomorrow. Two single elimination games on ESPN2 at 7 Central, 9 Central. I guess 8 Eastern, 10 Eastern is how you guys do it. Uh, we talked about Dallas Sky. Let's talk about the Liberty and and the Mercury. You know, this Mercury team is stacked with superstars, some of whom are having really incredible seasons. And it's a fun Liberty team that started off okay and then has won, I think, two games in the last month or so. So they're kind of uh, dribbling and not in a positive way into this game. How could they possibly go about beating this Mercury team? Man, Spain, I always say, shoot or shoot to get hot and shoot or shoot to stay hot. And they are one of the highest three-point shooting team in terms of the amount of threes that they take in the league. Now, some days they're up there percentages, some days they're not. So if they get hot from behind the arc and they have to draw Brittany Griner out of the paint, I think that potentially becomes their saving grace. But having an opportunity to watch them against Connecticut a week ago, as powerful as pace is for the Liberty, speed also kills. And if they get ahead of themselves and are turning the ball over, or if Skyler's getting out in transition, Sophie Cunningham, Shea Petty, if Tarazi's healthy with that ankle, and, and the, I'm messing up my team name, the Mercury, <laughs> are <laughs> able to run the floor the way that the Liberty. I see 
the Mercury being able to sustain it longer just in terms of the pieces and the experience that they have on their roster. Who's the team we're not talking enough about coming into the playoffs? Fitz, I got to say, I think, is it Seattle? Is that weird to say? No, I'm I'm Minnesota. I I think both of those teams sitting right in there at that three and four, it wasn't super sexy, right? Like, oh, one and two have the the double bye. There was a fight for this eighth spot. So we're talking about this first-round matchup. But you got Seattle and Minnesota that are lurking. In particular, Lasia Clarendon, they have been tremendous this year in terms of leadership and productivity. And you know that Cheryl Reeves is always going to have a group that is willing to claw tooth and nail. I mean, I think about the growth of Nafisa Collier, who we already know is going to be a star in this league, Crystal Dangerfield at that point guard position. They're always a problem just because that is an institution in Minnesota, very much like Seattle, even under new head coach Noel Quinn, who took over uh, for Dan earlier this year. But again, both teams with seasoned veterans, and obviously in particular Seattle, They've been there, done that multiple times, and this unit has impressive continuity. Yeah, I mean, Seattle, the reason we're not talking about them as much is because of injury. I mean, that's mm-hmm. usually and often in the last couple of years, they're going to be my favorite until somebody shows me otherwise. And I just don't think you could say that this year because of Brianna. Well, and we knew that she was going to be out through the regular season, and I'm not sure what the latest is. I'm, I'm imagining we're probably hearing questionables going into the, into, into the right. postseason. But even even in that, though, Spain, I still think you can't count Seattle out. Like, I just think of when Sue missed that chunk of time and the way Jordan Canada was able to step in. I think of the way, um, gosh, Mercedes, who played at Tennessee. Why can't I call Mercedes' last name off the top of my head right now? But anyway, <laughs> the way Mercedes' game has taken the next step for Seattle. So I just think, yes, of course, anybody is better on the floor with Stewie. But when I look at playoff teams, and if we're going to go with you only know what you know in terms of experience. As a unit, Seattle has not only the experience deep into the playoffs, similar to Vegas and Connecticut, but they've won. Mercedes Russell, by the way, is 6'6", so next time you forget her name, I think maybe she'll remind you what it is. I don't know. That's just me uh, just thinking, you know. <laughs> I can got to remember, <laughs> remember the last name of the, of the one who could beat your butt. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, they've got uh, – listen, I just think as a collective – Seattle has experience that I think can compensate. And because they've, they've been the team to lift the crown, like they've got more than just experience getting di- deep. They've got experience winning. Monica, before we let you go, there's the top 25 rankings done by ESPN. Um, a lot of people battling, fighting over, uh, you know, the, the best players to ever play in the league. Did you look at that and have anything you wanted to you know fight someone about? So I got, I looked at the top five and I couldn't say, I sat down to do it. I sat down to do it multiple times and I like could not separate myself from the nostalgia and falling in love with the game. Now, Cynthia Cooper was one of my favorites and she is in that first top five. I think when you think a body of work and accolades, it's really hard to argue um, against Diana Taurasi, but I kind of wonder if Maya should have been further up. And I know maybe that is a little bit of recency bias, but then again, like Lisa and like that first top five, Oh God! Like, oh, I think I think everybody that um, did the list had great arguments, um, but that first top five already sent me, and I didn't even get through the whole thing. It was a really, yeah. really tough. It's list tough. To put together. It's tough, and it's going to keep changing year after year. Uh, Monica, really looking forward to the WNBA playoffs, your coverage, and all your insight. Thanks so much for making time for us at whatever time we demanded. Monica, you're amazing. <laughs> no, 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 have a great ESPN basketball analyst Monica McNutt. So grateful for her making it work today, being flexible with us here on Spain and Fitz. Coming up. Tony, an Emmy Award winning actor from one of our favorite movies of all time. And now the morning show, Billy Crudup, joins us on Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
Joining us now on the Goodyear Hotline, Billy Crudup, Tony winner, Emmy winner for his portrayal of Corey Ellison on The Morning Show, season two, out now. I have not gotten a chance to see episode one yet. I am so psyched for this. Huge fan of the show. And Billy, I have to ask because, you know, if not for Ted Lasso and The Morning Show, I might have been like, oh, another streaming service. But I was in once I saw this cast. What did it take you to say, OK, I'm on board with a brand new service, a brand new place for people to get a show like this? Well, I think you uh, underestimate how much actors like to work. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I almost don't care who's calling. Uh, <laughs> if there is a part in a paycheck, you can just about guarantee I'll do my little tap dance. Um, that being said, the writing on this was so spectacular. And some of the stuff that this character in particular thought it would be okay to say. I thought it was uh, shocking and subversive and uh, possible to figure out. And I couldn't imagine a better job to have than to be the one to try to navigate uh, a, a figure like Corey. So in the process of figuring out how to make that navigation work, like what kind of prep did you do? Did you talk to any people like around morning shows to help you shape this character? Well, I confess that I've never seen a person like Corey in the wild. I've seen <laughs> features of his personality, you know, in, uh, um, in, in, in some of the more extravagant characters I've come across living in New York for 30 years. But I, I, I think that's one of the things that um, viewers have been enjoying is it's difficult to put a, a, a handle on precisely who he is and what he wants. Um, what kind of future would satisfy him to the point that he wouldn't continue to try to explore and exert all of his ambitious energy. And um, so to that end, I thought, no, I can't model this on anyone because there's no one to model. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll just go straight with the script and try to do the best that I can and understand what Carrie's motivations are dramatically and then uh, try to ho hopefully realize them in an entertaining way. We're talking to Billy Crudup, star of The Morning Show, of course, star of Almost Famous, one of uh, Fitz and I's favorite movies of all time. And I love that description of this of this role, because, I mean, you get to yell stuff like chaos is the new cocaine. And yeah, essentially that to their ball. <laughs> I mean, I love it. It's a great if, line, if you especially guys with the, point the, me the closing in the elevator. Of somebody who has said that to their boss, I would be more than happy to shadow them for a day so I could learn the tricks of the trade. Uh, I mean, do we but consider I, I coaches coaches bosses? Because I would guess anyone that was on the old University of Miami football teams back in the day. I could I can almost bet that somebody said that on one of those teams. Um, but this this character you, you is make a fair point. But they don't let actors in the locker rooms. That's uh, you true. know, we, we are uh, <laughs> we're the feelings people, not the sports people. That's right. Uh, well, Billy, this character is very slick, right? That's a part of it. But somehow you do make him a bit likable, uh, despite the cockiness and, and the, the fact that he might be, you know, an agent of chaos for all of these moving parts. Is, is that the biggest thing for you when you have to play someone like this that you can't find in the wild who isn't openly this person to find some way to, to humanize him and figure out, you know, I need to make people like him somehow? Well, I do, you know... <laughs> If I don't find something that I believe has the potential of cracking open some the three-dimensional quality of any human being, it's unlikely that I'll uh, pursue it. I, I really like to try to explore characters in all their human frailty. And 
not necessarily make them likable, but make them comprehensible. There's plenty of people in my life that I don't like, but I, <laughs> I appreciate them and they're comprehensible and they're, I, I take a humane approach to them. Um, Corey's, uh, I think one of the things that's somewhat winning about him is he, he carries more than two things at once, characteristic traits. So he does have this slick extravagance where he uses these wild metaphors, but he's also goofy and uh, somewhat self-deprecating at times in, in, in a way that um, I think destabilizes the people around him. He actually right. uses all of those characteristics so that he can be the one who's in charge of the moment because he's so unpredictable. Um, normally you would imagine, let's say this guy was the antagonist. He would only have the s- slick qualities. He wouldn't have any kind of goofiness about him or he wouldn't uh, have a sense of humor or crack himself up. Um, and, and that's one of the things that I, I liked about the uh, Carrie Aaron's approach is when I began to ask her questions about him, like, what, do you believe that he's like being self-deprecating in that moment? She's like, I don't know. Let's try. Let's explore. <laughs> Let's figure out who this guy is. I only wrote it. I can't play it. So the entire enterprise became about uh, collaborating with the, 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 the whole creative team. And, and that is, is most certainly one of my favorite things in the world to do. Billy, you mentioned collaboration with all the big stars that are on this show. Was there somebody when you saw that come together that you were really excited to, to get to do some scenes with? Well, uh, I, when I saw the cast list for this, I was just like, uh, do everything you can not to get fired. Uh, th- there was nobody who I wasn't uh, um, interested, intimidated, and fired up about uh, trying to collaborate with. And, um, yeah, you, you, it's, it's a murderer's row of acting talent uh, yeah. on this show. So it was, um, it, it was thoroughly exciting and rewarding to get to play somebody who's so extravagant with uh, such formidable performing artists well and when jennifer aniston hand selects you because you're friends and she saw you in a play and said you have to be a part of it that makes you a little less nervous about getting fired and and being able to shine alongside them right well no question about it unfortunately jen was not the only one who uh was responsible for making the decision there were some other people (laughs) who were curious that i was still acting um so it I, I had to win over uh, quite a few of the uh, uh, producers, um, but having um, uh, Jen in my corner and uh, Kristen Hahn and Amanda Anker uh, was an enormous benefit. I don't think I would have even gotten in the room. I mean, I had to buy myself a suit and fly out to Los Angeles to try to sell these people on my idea of Corey. So <laughs> it took a little bit of convincing, but uh, I, I – with, with the right support, uh, we nudge them in the right direction. Billy, we, we mentioned earlier we're both huge fans of the movie Almost Famous. It's it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Is there a role for you that you look back on that has had the most impact to, to the most people? That's a great question. I... <laughs> I'm not sure anybody had seen my stuff. Um, the, uh, I, I almost famous for sure, persevere, perseveres. Yeah. And I think because it's a coming, a coming of age story, 
there's generation after generation gets acquainted with it. And what I've experienced, um, which has been really, really rewarding, is the people who saw the movie when it first came out uh, became parents. And their kids, just over the last five years or so, started to become teenagers. And you could tell the parents wanted to show them Almost Famous because they liked it when um, it came out and it was about, you know, burgeoning a, a young adulthood and adolescence and maybe they could bond with them. And, and so I, I, I've, I've been the benefactor of um, uh, uh, that behavior that now I have, you know, a, a younger group of people who uh, have seen the film and, and love the film and um, got to see me with, you know, longer hair and uh, fewer <laughs> wrinkles and, uh, um, back in older times with a sweet mustache. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a classic. It's one of those that you're right. Like, it's kind of like um, how The Office seems to have, like, it started and it never ended. It's just a whole bunch of people see it in a different streaming or a different place, and it starts all over again for their generation. And it feels like almost famous plays to people who were alive back then, plays to the people who watched it the first time and now all those kids. Now they're the Elaine Millers of the world instead of instead of the young the young uh, Cameron Crowe character. Um, well, so great to Absolutely. talk to you. Well, my son, my son who's 17 is a huge Office fan. Yeah. And um, so it's it's uh, it's pretty amazing to 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 share in that experience uh, with him. And you're working with your son, which is very cool. Um, and I, I know we're running out of time, but I have to ask, do you get to criticize him when he criticizes you or do you take it easy on him? I wouldn't be being a reasonable father if I took, him e took it easy on him, um, especially when it comes to getting into this business. I make sure that um, I, I, uh, I, I challenge him in the same way I challenge any director, uh, especially since he's doing student films. I'm not getting paid for this. I better make sure that I'm working with highly ambitious, creative people. Unfortunately, he happens to be one. Yeah, and, and working with the ex-wife, too. So he gets to tell you you suck. He gets to have you working with the ex. He gets to have you working unpaid. I mean, this kid's really pushing it. I mean, really, this kid. Wow. Kids these he's, days. He's uh, <laughs> got a, a tremendous and bright future ahead of him. Uh, I mean, you can't say that for um, anybody who gets into this business, that's for sure. That's true. Well, congrats on the second season, and congrats on the success of your incredible career. We're big fans over here. It was great to talk to you. Thanks, Billy. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Too early in the NFL season to really predict what's a trend. It's too early to say that there's a huge problem, and it's too early in the NFL to say that we can look at one generalization and make it apply to the entire league. But it is not too early in the NFL season to look around and say there is an injury problem, no matter how it got here, no matter where it came from, that is affecting multiple teams right out of the gate at the most important position on the field. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, were presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear hotline. And quarterback injuries are everywhere. You know, I, it, it wasn't that long ago. I remember sitting at the time on Golik and Wingo and everybody talking about, oh my God, how are teams going to survive with the number of quarterback injuries? And those were big brands and big names and huge teams close to the playoffs. Well, now we sit at the beginning of the season and it's not one, it's not two, it's not three. I mean, you're talking about 
countless injuries at the most important position in the entire league, in a, in a league that can't find 32 great starters. We're seeing injuries everywhere, and it's absolutely impacting. I think it's the most important early portion of the season storyline so far, Sarah. Yeah, I think uh, as I was trying to remember maybe some of the context around why we maybe discussed it more before, I do think we're getting used to it, unfortunately, right? It's been a number of years in a row with some pretty significant quarterback injuries early on. But I also think that we were we were very connected to the to the conversation around Colin Kaepernick and how many people were working at insurance companies and car dealerships and getting the call before someone who had been a tremendously good football player. And maybe without that tying it together, we're sort of just used to it and sinking back into the next man up kind of conversation. Um, Next man up makes a big difference to some of the teams that are dealing with this right now of the teams that we know for sure their quarterbacks are on. I think right now it's the bears with Dalton. It's the Texans with Terod Taylor. It's the dolphins with Tua. We don't know yet about Wentz, but I think there's a pretty big question mark and same with Ben Roethlisberger, you know, bears fans are pretty psyched to have Justin Fields in the waiting I don't know that there's that much excitement about Davis Mills. And then we talked about it earlier, Jacoby Brissett, probably some folks who don't have a lot of faith in Tua saying, I don't know, this could be better. Let's see. I think that's a, a huge part of why you know people aren't as obsessed over it, but it, which is a little bit of a statement, again, to the fact that there aren't necessarily 32 quarterbacks that people want to get behind across the league, but also just a statement of, of what's happening to these guys early. Like I, We spent so much time debating preseason whether or not guys should play, and then you see the rash of injuries early in the season, and it just makes me glad at least we got a little regular season action out of them because some of these games have huge consequences. I mean, if, Con- if Carson Wentz can't play this week, you're talking about the Colts and the Titans. You're talking about the yeah. only two teams in that division that are expected to be contenders and a Colts team that has to get a lot right quickly and a Titans team that has big expectations. Carson Wentz possibly not being there has huge impact, not just for this one week, but realistically for the entire season. This is a game in Nashville that the Colts really need. Yeah, the Colts could end up 0-5. It, it would be pretty easy. That's crazy. I expect That's a loss crazy. to the Titans. They could lose to the Dolphins. Now, listen, the Dolphins, I think, have like 17 points through two weeks. And they're not looking good. But we'll see what happens with Jacoby Brissett. We'll see if the offensive line, maybe his veteran ability to, to work behind that will make it a little easier. I mean, Tua was out on the ninth play of that game. And he had already been sacked twice before the sack that caused the injury. That's an offensive line that's just not giving you any help. So maybe Jacoby Brissett is a little bit wilier as a veteran, can stick around. Maybe he makes them better enough to beat the Colts. And then they got the Ravens after that. And, oh, look at us. We're 0-5. I mean, that's – and it doesn't get any easier. You mentioned that offensive line. That's one of the worst-rated offensive lines in the NFL. And the Raiders have one of the highest-rated pass rushes without the blitz. They blitz less than any team in the NFL this year. So uh, there's there's not a great chance that Jacoby Brissett isn't beat up behind that line. And you start looking at it, and it just it's – it's amazing how every fan base – is going to treat this a little differently. Like we mentioned earlier, how excited you are, you know, not because Andy Dalton is injured, but because Justin Fields is getting the opportunity to play. There can be some hope there. I'm not sure there's a ton of hope when it comes to to the Steelers and what they're trying to figure out with Big Ben. Now, we don't know if Roethlisberger is going to be able to play or not, but we do know that he doesn't even realize when he was hurt. This is staggering. Big Ben (laughs) at his press conference just acknowledging he has no idea when it happened. I don't know how it happened. I just know it happened early in the game, um, and I'm going to do everything I can. Today is only Wednesday, so we have a lot of time to, uh, to get ready to go. I haven't thrown a ball since, uh, since the game, so uh, I know you have a lot of adrenaline going during the game. 
Mm. I'm I'm stunned. I mean, to to think that you have no idea. And he took so many big hits. I mean, so many right. big hits in that game. I I have to wonder. You know, we'll we'll reach out to some of our big uh, our our big boyfriends and and maybe get some insights on this. I have to wonder if maybe there's more issues with offensive line play than we've really thought about because you're seeing a lot of these guys that are out are guys that have taken a lot of hits. Yeah, I, I you know the Big Ben thing is. You know, the the issues are are multiple. One is that he's never been super mobile. And now, as I think Dan Lebitard coined it, he's basically a walking skyscraper. He's just a tall, straight up and down with little legs. And, and they don't take him very far. You've got that behind a really bad offensive line. And he doesn't have an arm anymore. Um, the fact that he got hurt without knowing how reminds me of, uh, remember when Josh McCown had to go into the game for the Eagles in the playoffs at 40 years old? And he, he hurt his, himself stepping <laughs> That's what they said. That's what they said on the broadcast. And I was like, that is such a 40 year old thing. And he ended up, I think, like tearing his hamstring off the bone or something very serious. But he did it by just stepping. Uh, that's the place that we're at with Ben Roethlisberger. And this isn't a thrust into action in case of emergency situation. This is the Steelers looking at the product from last year and still saying, yeah, let's let's stick with this which is why I've never believed in this team from the start of the season. And when Dominique Foxworth said this morning on KJ and Max, uh, Dominique from the undefeated, uh, that really drove that point home. Ben is done. So, like, if he's in the pocket and he's not under pressure, he's a QBR of 38. <laughs> which the league Wait, average. In the Say pocket, that again. not in, under in pressure? In the pocket, not under pressure, 38. And it's not just these first two games. That's including all the games from last season also. So, and he's not throwing the ball down the field. So he is the problem. The O-line is the problem. Oh. The defense is the only answer, but I'm not sure it's a big enough answer. It's not. But also, 38, in the pocket, not pressured, for a team that at one point was 11-0. I mean, and, and, you know, Dominique just said the defense, uh, like uh, I heard Ryan Clark today say it's a championship caliber defense. They're just wasting that mm-hmm. at this point with this. And, and you know, we're harsh on every team that doesn't make the right decision at quarterback no matter what. But I've, I feel like I've been saying this a lot lately. Like at some point you have to look at what the Steelers decided to do and say, hey, how did you not address this? I mean. Always, we've been yelling about the Packers and their decision to draft Jordan Love. I understand why. But at some point, teams do need to look at it and say, hey, do we have somebody for the future? And even if it hurts somebody's feelings, you got to make that jump. And the Steelers never did. Now, not only do they not have an answer, but when are they going to get an answer? Like, they, they're in a really weird spot that Steelers fans don't even remember what it feels like when you're looking around saying, wait, the whole team could be pretty good, but we don't have a quarterback? Mm-hmm. Like, And we're saying that about a Hall of Fame-type quarterback that we've been used to? Like, that is, that's, that's jarring when you hear those numbers. And it's not just Dominique. It's not just us. It's not just, you know, you know. it's Kimberly A. Martin who's been following this team very closely. She was on Barton Hahn, and she's like, there are a lot of problems here. This is a team where their defense has to be top five or else they're not going anywhere. Um, and, and that, to me, was sort of the, the thing that troubled me if you're a Steelers fan this offseason because we saw how things fizzled down the stretch because of O-line play, because of injuries. And now we're just talking about another Ben injury. Like, mm-hmm. that, that's not where you want to be. It's early, so that's good. It's early in the season. But as we get closer to November, December, January, like, these injuries are going to pile up, and that worries me. 
I, mm. Everything she just said makes so much sense. And look, I don't want to overreact and say everything's done for the Steelers. It's just hard to watch what we've seen and not feel like it's going to be painful me- moving forward. What's not painful is downloading the Overheard podcast for curiously delightful conversations overheard around National Geographic's headquarters. Presented by the City Advantage Platinum Select Card, the card built for your next adventure. For our next adventure, we've got some NBA to get into. Uh, we heard from Doc. What does it mean for Ben Simmons? We'll tell you about the 76ers' latest next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Let's get to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Anything else we got to get back? I, I got it all, Sarah. <laughs> and uh, the straight talk comes in the form, sort of, about Doc Rivers. And uh, Doc Rivers was doing what they like to call a car wash today, where he was on every single show across ESPN, it felt like. And uh, obviously, you're not going to be uh, uh, in Doc Rivers' shoes. You're not going to be doing this car wash unless you're talking about Ben Simmons. We all know that. And, and there's a message the team needed to get out. Now, most of you guys have heard most of what Doc had to say. But I, I think there's one important note. And this is what Doc said. We'll start with what he said today. This morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, he talked about what happened after the playoff loss when he was asked about whether or not he could win a championship with Ben Simmons at his point, as his point guard. This is what he said this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. That's not what I said, actually. This is when narratives, and this is what makes our jobs hard. I actually said when the guy asked, guys, I'm not answering that stuff right now. Mm. I don't even know how to answer that. Ah. So what I was talking about was not answering the question. Wow, uh, it has nothing good thing to, to do with Ben. Up. Yeah, and, but I said, you know, it's funny. The next day, because my daughter actually, Callie, called me and said, "Hey, you better clean that up. I know exactly what you were saying, but they're going on with a different narrative." So the next day, um, I did an impromptu press conference and said it again. I said, "Guys, for whoever's running this narrative, you know that's not what I was saying. Ben knows that. Rich Paul knows that. But you know, it's amazing how it gets started and it just takes a life of its own." Okay, now wow. before th- that's only curious because here is the direct quote from Doc Rivers in June when he was asked a question. Doc, do you think Ben Simmons can can still be a point guard for for a championship team like the one you guys want to become? Yeah, David, I don't know that question or the answer to that right now. Um, you know, so I don't know the answer to that. Okay, so he did say right now, but he didn't say I'm not going to answer that, and he didn't say. I'm not going to address that right now. And he didn't say I'm answering something that has nothing to do with the question you asked. He actually said, I don't know the answer to that right now, which is an answer, which is the answer that he gave and that he's now trying to blame the media narrative for not understanding, which is pretty frustrating. I mean, this is also an example of where, because I think a lot of what Doc said today has been analyzed uh, is what needed to be said. We all know that. This is an example where I think he got it wrong today, though. You know, the the best possible scenario out of that, you, you had to know that question was coming. The best possible scenario out of that is to fall on the sword and say, guys, I let emotion get the best of me in a situation yes. where I said the wrong thing and I shouldn't have done it. Like, if you're really trying to rebuild some sort of a bridge with Ben Simmons, then come out and say, hey, that's on me and I need to do better in that situation. I didn't do right by him. I didn't do right by me. I didn't do right by our team. And I'll handle it better next time. Like, that's a, that's a much more honest answer to me than what we got today. Completely agree. Because we knew he had to say the things that he said today during the interview. We knew that's probably why they said yes to the interview, right? They need to put out the right kind of controlled statement so that they can claim that there's still interest, that they want things to be better, that they can make him an, an, you know, a more appealing target for other teams. 
There is nowhere to go right now unless they at least pretend as though they still want Simmons around or that he's a guy that other teams should want around. This part of it wasn't necessary. And you're right. You're much better off saying, listen, I've said a lot of crazy things after disappointing losses, and that was a really disappointing loss. Um, you know, I, I I shouldn't have said that because I have a lot of faith that Ben can do that and that he can be that guy, and I just got frustrated. You know, that's a much better answer than this BS. And listen, you know, I usually agree in some part with the clickbait stuff and it's unfair and I get misquoted, but I also disagree with the idea that people are just always using the media as an easy catch-all for blaming everyone and everything for things that they don't want to take accountability for. And accountability is an important part of this rebuilding, right? Anytime you've done something, whether it's in a friendship, a relationship, a business relationship, it doesn't matter. If you've done something that breaks trust and you really want to rebuild it, then you've got to be transparent. You've got to be willing to swallow your pride and your ego, and you've got to be willing to fall on the sword. You've got to be willing to say, yeah, I could have done that better. And if you're not willing to do those things, then you're not doing anything to repair the relationship. If the actual goal here is to make everything better between the organization and Ben Simmons, you got to know Ben's going to be listening to everything and saying, well, I never said that isn't going to go as mm-hmm. far as I said that and I screwed it up. Like just as, as adults, not like I hate the phrase as men, because I think it applies to right. all adults as adults. Yeah. Sometimes you got to come in and say, you know what? I didn't do that well. And doc, doc did most things well today. I want to give him credit, but that's one regrettable moment. Spain and Fitz uh, on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel 80. That's some straight talk, straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Also want to get everybody updated on a college football news here, a piece of college football news as reported by Heather Dinich. There won't be a vote uh, coming right now for playoff expansion and a lot of conversation about what that would all mean. She tweeted out earlier that there were issues that the conferences were working out on what they were willing to approve. And basically it comes down to some conferences, uh, mostly the SEC and Jack Swarbrick of Notre Dame, were not willing to vote for any proposal uh, that had automatic qualifiers. They don't want automatic qualifiers because they want as many bids open for their teams as possible. But at the, at the same time, a group of five schools would not vote for one that doesn't have automatic qualifiers because they want to ensure their path in. So expansion, we wondered what effect it would have, what impact it would have. We speculated. Now we know, Sarah. Yeah, I mean, this is not a surprise. This is what we were told by the people in the know was a big reason for the alliance that came together with some handshakes and some looks deep into each other's eyes was that they needed the power that everyone's going to talk about. And I said this at the time. Everyone's going to talk about the sexy things. What does this mean for matchups? Ooh, can we have some cool crossovers from different conferences? And, you know, what does this mean for schedules? What the big thing was, was the behind the scenes. What the media important part of this alliance was, was their decision making around massive votes and and massive proposals in the world of college football that they were able to look at as a unified group. And one of those is expansion because of the contracts and the television deals around, you know, all of this stuff, if they try to expand too soon, then they don't have the opportunity to involve their own television partners. They don't have the opportunity to have more weight and power in the decisions that are made. So this was an inevitability. This was one of the biggest reasons that they decided to put their considerable weights together um, is those contractual issues and league preferences, whether that's timing and location of a game to which broadcast partners are involved. All of that really matters. And this is the result of that alliance. And it may be one of the more important things that we see come out of that very flimsy alliance. Well, and it would be just dumb 
for everybody around college football to get this done and not find some way to at least, if they can, open up everything to the highest bidder. Like, I, I know that ESPN controls so much college football. It's a part of w- one of the benefits I have in working here is that I get to work there because we control so much of it. But realistically, if you are the bosses that run college football and you're thinking about expansion, part of what you're thinking about is a big conversation about expanding and finding ways to make more money because that's what it's all about at the end of the day. So what everybody's going to do in this process is protect themselves. The question I always have about college football is in a world where there's no one czar, one no no one commissioner that runs everything how will they come to some common ground that that's going to be difficult and that's going to take a lot of time so while i think expansion is still inevitable i don't think expansion is coming anytime soon and we just we just need to accept that again that's some straight talk straight talk wireless no contract no compromise all right we've got a lot to get into but coming up the cardinals are on their way to 11 their 11 straight win should they take hmm, never mind we're going to talk baseball next pain and fits i'm going to learn how to read good lord Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. And I wonder why they don't let me host Sports sports Center. Talk about baseball as Fitz maybe promised somewhere in that word salad on the way out of break there. ESPN MLB analyst Jessica Mendoza. Jess, thanks for some time. What's up, Sarah and Jason? You guys you guys are always having fun. Every time. We are. We are not professional, but we are always having a good time. I'm not very, I'm I'm holding Sarah back in every possible way, but we're having a good time doing it. It's nice. It makes me look good every night, just uh, hosting right next to Fitz. Uh, Cardinals are leading the Brewers 6-0, closing in an 11th straight win. This team, Jess, is one of the hottest ones since the All-Star game of of any. And at this point, I I wonder, is this a better team to make its way into the postseason than some more exciting-sounding, more hyped teams that have really staggered down the stretch? Well, they definitely are as far as under the radar. I mean, you can't tell me a person, including in St. Louis, by the way, that was (laughs) predicting this even last month. I mean, I remember listening to St. Louis radio and they were talking about who would be the best free agent shortstop to sign next season. I mean, there was no like, hey, if we go on a run, we could really get this thing. I mean, it's unbelievable. They've almost all but secured that second wild card spot and they came out of nowhere. And as we've seen in the past, those are the teams that, not only are they exciting to watch, but they've been so under the radar. They're really just kind of playing with house money, and that's the best way to play baseball in October. Are they built in a way in your mind that they can actually make a difference if they get into the playoffs? I think they have been built. I'm wondering, you know, with their pitching, I feel like that's the biggest concern that I have. You know, we've seen their bullpen was their biggest weakness. Now some of those same arms have now come back with a vengeance and had success. They've kind of plugged in different guys. It's to me, have been all about the offense and the defense, the two things. And the offense for power, I mean, when you look at this Cardinals team the last, like, three, four years, they couldn't defend and they couldn't hit for power. And when I mean they couldn't hit for power, we're talking about, like, 29th, 30th out of 30 teams in baseball in home runs, in OPS, all the big power numbers. And, of course, with Goldschmidt, Arenado, now Tyler O'Neill, who's absolutely ridiculous, Dylan Carlson. I mean, everything is clicking offensively that you thought they would. My biggest concern which is a huge one in October, is will this bullpen be able to hold up in the way that you absolutely need it to when you're using every single arm as you get into those game five, sixes, and sevens? Jess, real quick, are you on a treadmill? Are you hustling to another job? I need to know, are we in the batting cages, multitasking? What's happening? (laughs) I'm actually running. um, I have a hot date with the Hubs tonight. Okay. Running literally, (laughs) if you want total truth. Yeah. I was like walking around because the restaurant's 
I was reading them out. I'm like, oh, this dude outside of there, and there's like live music, all kinds of sounds. <laughs> I've that. been there. <laughs> I've been there on my phone, escaping the sounds of the world, trying to pretend like I am somewhere trying suitable for to. an interview. Don't worry. I'm just, I was just worried you got a little winded talking about the Cardinals, and that was my concern. But uh, for good reason. Uh, Josh <laughs> Mendoza's with us here on Spain and Fitz. You mentioned the pitching there. How about San Diego? I mean, first of all, I'm looking at a team that's actually in the hunt, picking up Arietta, and and I can't even remember the name now. Is it Vasquez, who they also picked up? But like two guys yeah. that got cut from other teams. You're in the hunt. Like that's a disastrous situation for a team that looks like they are going to fade yet again. Yeah, you know, and it's it's so hard to see, to be honest, because this is a team that was so exciting coming yeah. into the season and. Just all the rivalries that you think about within baseball. I mean, shoot, how we started the season, right? I mean, L.A. and San Diego, just the excitement mm-hmm. in and around that. As much as we did not predict St. Louis being in this, I mean, San Diego was a team that, yes, they were faltering at times, but you absolutely expected them to be in this thing. Um, I, I just, you look at talent, I put them in the Yankees. It's the two huge, like, are you kidding me? If New York and San Diego are not in this postseason, when you look at the talent, the amount of money that is spent, the right tri- trades, I mean, everything that you could possibly do, and yet they're not even in October, it would be the biggest upset of two teams, one AL, one NL, that you, we've seen in probably over a decade. So where does the blame get placed if the Padres don't end up making the playoffs? Um, that's a good one. I mean, I feel like I, I look a lot at the players, and I know that sounds a lot of what the Yankees have said as well. As much as Jace Tingler looks like he might not have a job next year, they already fired their, um, their uh, scouting director. Um, I, just, I feel like as far as firing all the personnel, you can look at front office, everything like that. But when you see arguments happening in the dugout, you see leadership, you see $300-plus million a piece in Tatis Jr. and Machado, that's where my blame goes. And I follow a player. I'm looking in the mirror because you look at who you have on that team, how you're leading them, how you're able to get that performance. And it starts from your peers. It starts internally. It's not about the manager. It's not about the front office. When you look at all the moves that have been made, the people that have been signed, and we've already seen how great this team can be. Yes, they've had some injuries. And yes, they've had some maybe bad luck here and there for the most part. I'm looking straight in the mirror. If I am one of those leaders and Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., what happened last Saturday was disappointing, more so just because when you're losing and that's happening, when you're on a win streak and you're getting, like, veteran on Rook, like, here we go, like, is this who you want to be defined as? you got to pull your head out. All of that, I'm good with it. When you're on a losing streak, that's not the time. Absolutely. So right. Uh, Jess Mendoza is with us here on Spain and Fitz, ESPN MLB analyst. Uh, Really quickly, because we're out of time here, if you had to pick your favorites in the AL and NL right now, who is it? Ooh, on the spot. You know, I really like the Astros out of the AL. I know that everyone hates the Astros, and I get it, and I feel like that's kind of part of what's fueling the fire. I also believe that they are an exciting team that just doesn't get a lot of attention because no one wants to really talk about them. I think they're going to sneak up on a lot of teams, and I'd like to see them up against, if you're looking at a 17 rematch, it doesn't mean that the Dodgers are necessarily the the, the favorite, and maybe they are because they have been all year, but they're probably going to be a wildcard team getting in on this, but I would love to see Dodgers-Astros in a rematch of this. Talking about controversial World Series rematch. If you bring it back to the big cheating scandal, yeah. have those teams, two teams face off. I mean, are you kidding me? It, just, it would be epic for the game, I think, as far as people tuning in, especially in a time of year when football reigns king. Uh, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. 
Awesome stuff, Jess. Enjoy dinner. Say hi to the hubby. Jess, you're the best. Okay, I'm going to sprint there. <laughs> Bye, guys. Jessica Mendoza, doing it all. You can have it all. You can be on the radio and have a date night. <laughs> not, not us, of course. We're going to be around for another 40 minutes, but other people can. It's Spain and Fitz, Giants Padres tonight, 930 Eastern on ESPN Radio. That's why we're hanging around so long, and we have another 40-something minutes. Uh, coming up next, super excited, Iman Shumpert's going to join us and talk about his Dancing with the Stars debut. That's going to be fun. Coming up next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Joining us now on the Goodyear Hotline, Iman Shumpert, who you probably saw make his Dancing with the Stars debut the other night. In my opinion, looking like a stretched out Andre 3000. He had the moves, he had the funk, he had the outfit on. It was so much fun. First, the pressure, Iman. Your wife is a tremendous dancer, and that's what she does. So was there some fear in in taking on this casting and, and joining the show? No, I don't really uh, I don't really do fear. I think fear is for the unknown. But I've actually been with my wife on her tours, and I know their choreo just from, you know, going <laughs> and watching and then watching the film that they watch to try and get all the steps right. So I guess I've been practicing the whole time and didn't know it. <laughs> I mean, with that being said, like, how long have you had in the back of your head, like, I could go out and do this and compete at this? You know, I always thought that my moment would come from, like, maybe Tiana would get, like, some taller dancers and then one of them, <laughs> like, roll their ankle right before the show and then I, like, put on, like, a mask and fill in for them. Like, I always saw it that way, but... uh yeah, I don't think that's going. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you thought about that. You're having, yeah, you're having uh, daydreams about you know getting thrust into action and saving the day. That's so great. Amon Shumpert is with us here on Spain and Fitz. Tell me about working with your partner because one of the wild things about this show is is always watching the professional athletes, particularly the NBA players, who are just so much taller than everybody else. And your partner's, you know, she's got to put her arms all the way up in the air and, and it's so much harder for her to control you, which especially in the early weeks, a lot of the pros are really manhandling these dudes who don't know what they're doing yet. She can't really do that with you. <laughs> um, it's, it's really cool. Daniela, um, I'm so glad that they partnered me with her. She does a great job of merging technique and posture, but also saying she she like uh, uh, gives me a little treat for doing it. It's like okay, we're gonna do this <laughs> five, six, seven, eight, and then I'll let you be loose and do like one of your favorite little hip hop yeah. moves. You know what I'm saying? And that that gives me comfort throughout because it's like she kind of knows when I I do something and I though I did it correct, I'm like feeling awkward, and she's like, we're gonna add a fun part. So now you know you're smiling and you're having that that bounce and that fun again. And uh, she's just done a great job of just tailoring everything around me. She knows I'm tall, and she knows at times it could be a disadvantage, but she says she looks at more of the advantage of me being able to do big gestures. I'm able to lift her if I need to, and I'm able to anchor her on spins. So she says that, you know, my height, though it gives me disadvantages at times with footwork and timing, uh, it gives me all the advantage in other categories. Well, obviously you have athleticism and coordination, but is there any part of this that has felt really foreign or difficult for you to figure out so far? Oh, yeah. A lot of the movements that have to be graceful, they are not, quote-unquote, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, way, the, way, the way I would see myself doing something as cool and 
is outside of the technique of whatever dance we're doing. I believe that is the most difficult part for me uh, to still feel confident, feel powerful, feel strong in those type of poses because it's it's harder to hold strong. Like you know, as a, as a basketball guy, I like went into it like be strong. Of course, I could stand strong, <laughs> and then I'm like, yo, standing like this is tiring. Yeah. <laughs> like standing with my my chest out. My shoulders back, but relax. My leg is out, and I'm like putting all my weight on one knee that's bending. I'm like, bro, I'm a basketball player. I should be able to do this, <laughs> right, and this right. is a challenge. So, I think uh, more so just getting those poses together to where they're confident and, and, and strong. Uh, I think that's my biggest challenge right now. Yeah, these people are fit. They don't look like very. they could dunk, but they are fit as hell. Uh, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Talking to Amon Shumpert, NBA player who is currently on Dancing with the Stars. I saw LeBron James giving you a shout, telling you uh, people to go vote for you. Kevin Durant, elite activity, salute God, was what he tweeted about you. What's the yeah. deal with, with the NBA side? Because I know Gronk has said he spends a lot of offseason preparing for football by dance workouts. So you are going to be in shape for the NBA if it comes calling. What What's the future look like for you on the court? Hopefully the future looks bright, man. Though, uh... I know I'm doing Dancing with the Stars, and uh, I've done, you know, I've made cameos on the Shy as well as the 20s. I'm saying yes to some other things that have come up previously. People have asked me to do them, and I've said no just with, you know, an extreme focus on basketball with how it's been going and and me not having, you know, just a home and knowing, like, this is a three-year deal. I was sort of going year to year with the deals, and uh, when I missed training camp, just from not having an invite, though still available as a free agent, uh, I didn't see any any problem with, you know, saying yes to some new opportunities. You know, and it's not like I'm out here in L.A. just dancing. You know, I, I'm adding <laughs> it to the list of things I got to do. I still have to do my rehab on a day-to-day just to be able to play with my kids. You know what I'm saying? I, I want to be able to take off my shirt and look good, so I'm still in the weight room. <laughs> you got to keep up I, with I your wife, let's be honest. You got to keep We've uh, all seen the music video, okay? You got to keep yeah. up with that wife of yours. <laughs> yeah, she's, I mean, what's crazy is she doesn't have to go in the gym. I, I'm the one that has to stay in the gym and stay sharp. She just That's, sort of wakes up like no that. No way. So. <laughs> oh, God, I it's hate It's lit her. for her, yeah. But uh, I, I'm, I'm constantly, I, I do my workout for dancing and, and I do my rehearsal I, I get my time in and sleep and you know I still go in there and get my work in in the gym before uh you know resting up and doing it all the next day so it's all about getting yourself in a routine and, and being prepared for whatever so hopefully uh the NBA comes back uh with another opportunity and uh yeah but what you know, happens I'll, I'll then you leave the show? Is that it? You just say, all right, uh, NBA comes calling. I don't think Dance with the Stars is I mean, paying enough to, <laughs> to stick around. I mean, I, I, I plan to go get the mirror ball first. Okay. You know? okay. I, I plan to go get it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that, you know, all my fellow castmates of Dancing with the Stars will understand. <laughs> <laughs> if the NBA I mean, team comes to knocking that I, I got to answer the door. So peel back the curtain on one thing. I, I've always wondered this because, you know, my prior life, I was a musician before I worked for ESPN and, and the band I was in played Dancing with the Stars a couple of times. I've always wondered, you as a dancer, do you get to have any say in the music you are dancing to or do they basically just say, here's the track you have to go with? Oh, Dancing with the Stars is amazing with that because every song that you're hearing is uh, a song that, you know, they ask me just small details of my life touching on 
you know, my family, my wife, my kids, uh, basketball, uh, my childhood friends, memories, stories. And throughout telling those, you know, there were songs that, you know, we spoke on. And, you know, they've selected some of those songs that we spoke on and, you know, put together a package that, you know, I, I feel confident in. I, I like, I, I love Hey Ya. That, that song is like yeah. a family favorite. We used to play yeah. that in the in the minivan. And everybody in the car, all six of us knew it. But even my mom and dad singing along. So that's one of the family favorites. It was great to dance for that for the uh, first week. Yeah, so much fun. We won't try to get any spoilers for your dance next week, uh, what kind of dance or what the music is. We'll just wish you luck on it. Uh, I'm a Lake Forest girl, so shout out to OPRF, holding it down for okay. Illinois suburbs. Uh, and uh, okay. I, you were, I mean, I literally, when I saw the dance the other night, I tweeted out, I was unaware until this exact moment that I needed Iman Shumper dancing the jive in my life. But I did. I needed it. <laughs> and it made me so happy. So looking forward to next week. Thanks so much for the time, Iman. Thanks for joining us, man. Okay, thank you, guys. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Don't be afraid of it. All those good feels you got right now, the goosebumps you got listening to the music, you're asking yourself, is it possible? Are we getting extra Spain and Fitz? The answer is yes. Free stuff. You're getting free Spain and Fitz tonight as we're going for an extra 30 minutes because we are taking you all the way into Giants Padres that you can check out coming up at 930 Eastern. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear hotline. We're going to get into some uh, winless and unbeaten NFL teams. But before we do any of that, uh, there's a great interview tonight that you can check out on the Baseball Tonight pregame show with Mike Yastrzemski, the uh, Giants outfielder. This is a little portion of that talking about the comeback wins that that team has gotten. We don't worry when we're down. We don't worry when we're up. We uh, we just kind of live in the present moment and trust every guy in our lineup, every guy that's coming in to pinch hit, every guy that steps out on the mound. And that just creates a really good atmosphere. And so the the trust in each other is the number one thing, and we just let it go from there. And you can check out the entire interview again tonight uh, as the game will be coming up at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio. A lot of NFL talk going on. And really, there's so much of the league that's stuck in that middle range, one and one. Mm. But uh, one of us has a team that's sitting at 2-0, and oh, and it feels pretty. Good. Uh, I'm just feeling. Okay. I'm well, feeling. how was your team last year? How did they start? I, I don't. I don't remember. I. And you then know, how did they finish? Yeah. That. that and last maybe year just is, slow your roll. Oh, that's probably fair. No, you're right. You're right. No, no, but, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Is, I uh, full caps to the entire fight song to the Bears uh, after the win against a bad Bengals team because I'm like I don't know how many of these we're gonna get. I'm gonna go ahead and soak it up. So do yeah, the I, same. I mean, the only thing that's a bummer is that I stood during the entire game on Sunday, and now that's what I have to do every week, so i got to yeah, start training for that. Like, that's a lot of standing for these itty-bitty bird legs. In the meantime, <laughs> uh, I don't know why I just threw my own legs under the bus for no good reason. Uh, there are a group of winless uh, and a group of uh, unbeaten teams all going into action this weekend. And the question is, what team is most likely to see their fates change? Now, for me, when you talk about a winless team that could get on the board pretty easily – I think there's a really easy decision on what winless team could finally get that right. And I'll give the Giants a little bit of love. I was talking to Nuno, one of our producers earlier today, lifelong diehard Giants fan. He refuses to be happy about it. But the fact is, the Giants have a very winnable game coming up this weekend against the Falcons. That gives them the chance to get off the schneid. And once you're off the schneid, you never know. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, this Atlanta team has not looked great. So despite the fact that the Giants still have a lot of questions to be answered, and I do believe that this team is headed towards another rebuild, new GM, start over at quarterback and all of that, I do think that this could be one where they actually get to put up a dub. Yeah, well, and that's got to, you know, sometimes you just got to get that first one to remind you why you love the NFL season. So that's a little bit of, of a little bit of positive coming in. Now, before we get into the rest of them, let's look at some of possible negativity. One team that I think right now is undefeated that could take their first L of the year. That's going to come down to one inevitability, barring a tie. The Bucks and the Rams are going to play mm-hmm. this weekend. One of them has to lose. Do you have a gut feeling in on that one? This is a tough one. The Bucks have looked really unstoppable. They've won nine straight games, scoring 30-plus or more. Tom Brady has moved around the ball, um, and it's vintage him to Gronk. He's, you know, had a couple, you know, uh, a couple moments where you're, you're thinking his arm actually looks better than it has in previous years. You're starting to wonder if he was being held up by surgery last year or maybe still getting used to the, to the Aryan system, but they've looked better than ever. It's, they are approaching the Chiefs' territory where it's not that it's impossible for them to lose. We did, in fact, see the Chiefs lose last week, but I'm just not going to pick that to happen. In in in, in the end, I'm always going to say my money is on that team, and I'm I'm there now with the Bucks even more so than the Rams. Yeah, well, for the sake of my nipples, I really need the Rams to take that game so, so that I can just get uh, relaxed about the fact that I right. said that if they'd go undefeated and win the Super Bowl this year, I'd get my nipples pierced on mm-hmm. national TV. Uh, I feel good about the Raiders. Uh, you can never feel great about them when they're, they're your favorite team. You always get a little nervous. But Miami, I'm not particularly uh, sitting in there they're saying this is the weekend. The Raiders take a loss. I feel like they have a really good opportunity. We'll make picks for some games this weekend in just a minute. But I, I feel pretty good about where – they are going into this one. I don't know if I feel as good about the 49ers. Obviously, they're undefeated, but they're going to take on a Packers team that uh, we all know at this point has been a little up and down, and we know that Aaron Rodgers seems a little fed up with everything. So that one makes me kind of nervous for San Francisco. Yeah, I agree. I do think that there's a big question mark there because what we learned from Monday Night Football was that the offense could find a way, particularly Aaron Jones right, and, and, and Aaron Rodgers. But I don't know that we learned enough about the defense against a team that isn't shooting itself in the foot like the Lions did. So Raiders and Niners, I mean, Niners and Packers to me will be a really interesting measuring stick for both of those teams. Because we also saw the Niners nearly blow it in week one. So they have their moments of weakness as well. I think right now I'm leaning toward the Niners in that one. But um, I would not be surprised if Green Bay won. And so that's that's going to be an interesting one to follow. With all of this talk about undefeated teams uh, right now, don't forget tomorrow morning, 810 Eastern, Bruce Arians, Bucks head coach, joins, joins Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. It's going to be big. You don't want to check that out. You've been By the really... way, Fitz, I yes. put up on the uh, on the Twitter feed, if people want to join Spain and Fitz Nation, at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz, which of the winless NFL teams is most likely to get a W this week? I put the Giants, the Jets, the Colts, the Vikings, I'm sorry, Jags. I did not include you. I had to leave one off, and you're not any good, and you're playing Arizona. So I just left you off. But I appreciate uh, that you did that, yeah, by the way. That's yeah. just a little bit. But but talk about that Jets thing for a second, because the Jets are taking on the Broncos. The yeah. Jets looked awful last week, but I'm not going to put any of that on Zach Wilson's shoulders because Bill Belichick does that to rookies, and they're taking on a Broncos team you smartly pointed out hasn't really beaten anybody that we're right. all sort of a little in love with. I mean, maybe that's a maybe that's an opportunity. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to win. I think they're not very good. I think the Broncos are better, 
But it's a lot more of a likelihood than I think that the Jags are going to find a way to score enough to keep up with the Cardinals. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Broncos, you know, um, they've they've been an exciting team to see so far. I really like rooting for Teddy Bridgewater. I want him to have success. So I, I like that, you know, um, that they've started off so strong. But I need to see that chunk in the middle where they're taking on some really tough teams. I need to see that be a, be a success for them because right now – um, you just haven't impressed me much, much against the pretty terrible competition that you've beaten to get to 2-0. and The Vikings have lost two heartbreaking games, and I want to say that they're better than 0-2, that phrase that we always hear. They're better than their record, but they're also taking on a Seahawks team that's going to be mad that they let that game get away against Tennessee. I, I like As much as I want the Vikings to be better than 0-2, I just think that's a bad matchup for them to get off the schneid with. Yeah, I don't think the Vikings are looking ahead to a lot of success, unfortunately. They they uh, have had some heartbreaking losses to start, and they've got some tough competition that's not going to make it any easier for them to find that first one. We just talked about the Colts potentially starting 0-5. The Vikings 0-2 now, and they have the Seahawks, the Browns, before they get a breather with the Lions. So it could be an 0-4 start for this Vikings team. By the way, going to put those unbeaten teams on the poll as well, at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz. Which unbeaten team is most likely to take an L this week? I'm going Raiders, Niners, Panthers, Broncos, because, again, I'm just not putting the Cardinals in there. I don't think that they're going to lose to the Jags. Yeah, uh, that that would be, I think, one of the bigger surprises we've seen of this young season. Are you all in on the Panthers quickly? I, like, you know my, my hey, Sam Darnold is going to be resurgent. But, uh, you know, the Panthers at this point, I'm not sure if they're great. I just think that they're better than we expected coming in. I I agree. I think that I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by what we've seen from Darnold, and I, I, I'm excited to see if he gets this second life. Uh, but, again, they've beaten the Jets. And then the Saints team that I'm still not sure what they are. They had that really exciting, impressive opener against the Packers. But then this was 128 total yards of offense. Jameis was their leading rusher with 19 yards. This was a very one-dimensional offense that got quickly snuffed out by the, the, by the Panthers. Um, so was that a show of, of the greatness of the Panthers? Or was it simply that they figured out how to top a Saints team that isn't all that great? Um, they're going to get the Texans next. That's going to be helpful for the Panthers to keep this rolling. But then Cowboys, Eagles, you know, a couple other good teams coming up. Their schedule looks pretty kind um, and that might that might end up reflecting in their record, and it might be a little bit of a – I don't know how much I can believe in them just yet. Yeah, I think who you play matters in the NFL. We learned that last year, too. you got to keep an eye on that. In the meantime, we've got picks to give you. I know it seems early, but we'll explain why. We're going to get you our picks for the weekend in the NFL, and we'll do it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on a Wednesday. Extra large, extra long show today because we're taking you into Giants Padres right here on ESPN Radio in about 15 minutes. But it's it's good that we're extra long because we need to get in some weekend picks. And why are we doing them on a Wednesday, you ask? Well, I, Sarah Spain, am going on vacation. That's right. The countdown is on. I am about 12 hours away from hopping on a plane to Mexico with my girlfriends for my friend's birthday. So I got to make some early picks. And Fitz, this is a little terrifying because I have a 5-0 and record from last week on the line. And what if there's injuries? What if there's major changes to rosters? What if something dramatic happens and my picks are in and I can't change them? I think the important thing here is that I can change mine because I'm still no. at work and mm -mm. you can't change it. I disagree. No? 
This oh, so is so I get I get ends. you know what it here because you're oh. getting a va- oh oh okay kind of wow. like when you went to Vegas and then your flight didn't come back and then I hosted no, the show fair. by myself. Yeah, that's right. No, right. That's fair. That is okay. Fair. fair. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Spain and Fitz were presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests have joined us on the Goodyear Hotline. By the way, speaking of Vegas, my avatar all day has been the Las Vegas Aces logo because I lost a bet to Fitz. The Aces finished with a better regular season record than my Chicago Sky, entirely due to injuries, by the way. And I ponied up, followed up on my bet immediately. Uh, at 11.59 p.m., it will be changed back. I cannot handle it any longer. Uh, but I want everyone to know that um, at the end of this month, assuming that Fitz pays up on his promise to take me and the Hubs to the Bears-Raiders uh, game with him and, you know, hook it up, we won't be able to make fun of him for welching on his bets anymore because he will have, you know, done something good enough up. to make up for it. We yeah. will all be paid technically, up. Technically, I mean, you'll be paid I'll up. Take although, yeah. I'll take technically. A um, couple people have hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed with some news from Spain and Fitz Nation. At the Mush Bros responded to which unbeaten NFL team is most likely to take an L this week. Assume the 49ers will win this poll by a wide margin, but the correct answer is Raiders. Wow. So the Mush Bros think the Raiders are going to drop a game to the Dolphins and Jacoby Brissett. You want to fight him? Yeah, I, I, well, I think I do. Yeah, I, I think know, I The Mush Brothers too. sound tough. I don't yeah, know. Uh, there Be is careful. something about that name that sounds <laughs> yeah. like it's a little intimidating for me, the Mush Brothers. But you know what? I'm going to mush them. Smush yeah. them? Can I smush, smush the em. Mush Brothers? <laughs> uh, also, our uh, regular listener and member of our Fantasy League, the commission fact of our Fantasy League, at Angry Bears FDM, hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed with his news from Spain and Fitz Nation. He said, tough call, but I guess I can see Green Bay winning. Did I just say that? I did. Damn, I'm broken. I'm so sorry that we forced a Bears fan to put faith in the Packers to get a win over the Niners. But listen, sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes you just have to do it. All right, we have to do it. We got to make our picks, Fitz. We're running out of time here. It's time for Five Pick Friday. Giving you the picks that matter. I'll tell you, I think the Raiders are going to win this game. They're going to win a high-scoring effect. And we're not talking Andy Dalton and Derek Carr picks. Try to wrap your head around that. Time for Five Pick Friday on Spain and Fitz. And I just want you to know that that is a dated open because there will be no Andy Dalton picks this week. Ah. Because Justin Fields is getting the start. And I guess that's where I'll start. I need to make a pick every week on my team. You always have to make a pick on your team. Uh, I was excited, grateful, thankful that my decision to put faith in my Chicago Bears over the Bengals was rewarded. I don't know that I can go that far when they're facing the Cleveland Browns. Now, the Browns, especially that D-line, has really been underperforming. So I'm a little concerned that this might be that bounce-back game where they prove themselves to be as good as we expect. Unfortunately, I have to take Cleveland in this game. Oh, wow. I yeah. am su- I'm surprised. Yeah. I thought you – okay. I appreciate the professionalism. I'll yep. – uh, I'll start with my favorite team then, uh, and we all know that Miami is headed to Vegas. Uh, it's a Miami team that I think has a great defense, but I can't get out of my mind how well Derek Carr played last week against a great defense with the Steelers, and and frankly, the Raiders' defense played so well, it's hard for me not to feel like this is a game that the Raiders can, and should, if the Raiders are legit this year, they should win this game. I think they will beat the Dolphins. Wow. 
I actually agree with you, though I would I would not go so far as to make that pick because I do think there's a chance for Miami to, to to get the upset. All right, so we've got two picks in. My next one is uh, is based on the, the little theory that we used last year. Whenever this team had a game, I presumed that it would be a loss. They are not my number one team for that this year, but they're still up there, and that's the Jets. And the Jets are so bad that this 12-year-old, I'm not exactly sure how old this person is, but this young person with a young person's voice on TikTok, posted this video that has gone viral as he's breaking down a screen grab of the Jets' loss on Sunday and all the things that went wrong. Here's what it sounded like. If there's one play that sums up the New York Jets, this one has to be it. This Patriot's winning off the edge. This Jets lineman is probably holding. There's a Patriot charging up the middle at Zach with no blocking at all. This Jets dude is being pancaked on the ground. We have these two idiots staring at each other like, yo, what are we doing? I don't know. Let's just stand here. We have 78 touching his own lineman. On top of that, we have two receivers with zero separation, and the cherry on top has to be Zach Wilson throwing this pick. And Corey Davis has no hops. <laughs> it's so perfect. And uh, Corey Davis out, has no hops. Uh, shout out to at TD.sports on TikTok. Uh, tremendous work by a, a mere child who could see that this Jets team is bad. I'm taking Denver over the Jets. Oh, that is such a good pick. And really, how can you bat, How can you have any issue with anything he just said, by the way? But I did not pick that game. Uh, I didn't pick that game because I'm still a little nervous about it. I did pick yeah. a bad team, though. I'm going Arizona over Jacksonville for one of my picks because it's easy to pick anybody over Jacksonville. And the Cardinals are really good. I also picked that game. The Cardinals offense is going to run roughshod over them. And the Jaguars are a disaster. So I also have Arizona beating the Jags. Look at that. We agree on that. Uh, I said earlier, Carolina, we might not know anything about because they're playing Houston again. Well, it's my safe bet so far to just continue betting against Houston. I'm going to do that. Carolina, I think, is not only a better team, but Christian McCaffrey has been underratedly right, lights out. And uh, obviously, you know, I'm high on Sam Darnold. Plus, the defense has played pretty well. I think Carolina wins that game. I'm still not sure they're a great team, but they're better than Houston. Look at us just avoiding all the juicy, meaty, excellent matchups that there are this week. The Green Bay versus the Niners. You know, the uh, Tampa Bay versus the Rams. All the ones that you really have to, have to question what's going to happen. No, no, no. We're not going to do that. We're going to take all the teams that suck and pick whoever's playing them because I also picked the Panthers over the Texans. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, I'll get to one game I know you didn't pick because every time I have to pick where game day is, that's part of the college football promo for me. Be sure Guess to check where out the college is. football show. Guess where and it is. It's in Chicago, Chicago and you're not gonna be there I'm gonna be out of town I'm gonna be in Mexico I was really torn on this game I think this is a pick em, but I text Gola Jr. and I said how do you feel about Notre Dame Wisconsin and he said we're not winning it that was enough Whoa. to push me over the edge Whoa. Wisconsin is gonna beat Notre Dame I hope wow I did he did you betray his trust I, I don't think so I, I don't know, think I, he meant for that to go over the air oh. He might have said it with more, you know, with more okay. uh, analysts than that. But no, okay. I'm, I'm all in on it. I was right on the edge. Now it goes over the edge. Wisconsin's beating Notre Dame. All right. My final selection for five pick Friday is the Ravens over the Lions. Sure, the Lions made things a little bit interesting against the Packers in the first half on Monday. But, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of faith in them against a Ravens team that just beat the Chiefs and looks fantastic. That defense is going to get absolutely skewered by Lamar running all over the field. I've got the Ravens. What do you know? We agreed on that one, wow. too. I mean, pick against the bad teams. It's a good yeah. way to get it right. That's what we do right there. <laughs> All right. I think you've got one pick left, and it's your beloved Raiders. 
No, I, I did the Raiders. Oh, you the did the Raiders. Okay, yeah, I, I did all that. five of mine. Oh, you started. I forgot you started with it. All right, Fitz, uh, hold down the fort while I'm gone. I'll send you a postcard. Um, you know, I'll just be lying on the beach, drinking lava flows, hanging with my friends. No, uh, I'll try man. to check in on some sports every once in a while. But you know what? Probably not a lot. Uh, you know what? You're probably right about that. Thanks for hanging out with Spain and Fitz. I'll be back for the rest of the week while some people are on vacation. God, Giants and Padres next. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.